We never plan for things to go wrong. When you think about it, so much of your day to day and your preferences and the things that impact you are based on a lot of the time what's in your head. Stuff that only really you know or things that you prefer and things that sometimes someone else couldn't just pick up without you telling them exactly what you wanted. And so what happens in those situations where perhaps in an emergency or at that pointy end of a medical condition, you can't tell people what you want and they need to make an important decision about you, like about your health. So today I'm speaking with two guests who know this world inside out. I'm speaking with April Creed and Rebecca Glover from Exitu, all about care planning and advanced care directives, the Aged Care Royal Commission, healthcare, and about helping people close to you do what's right by you when they need it. Let's dive into it, Health Tech fam. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today are April Creed and Rebecca Glover, co-founders of Exitu. April has over 25 years of experience in aged care as a registered nurse, a palliative care nurse, and as a care manager in a large residential aged care facility. She's got a strong background in quality improvement and compliance while being passionate about empowering the vulnerable. Rebecca has 16 years of experience in various environments in aged care, ranging from residential aged care to home care. She's a passion for utilizing technology to improve human outcomes. Together, they've created Exitu, a web-based app that helps people easily create values-based advanced care directives. They've won several awards to recognize their work with Exitu, including Innovaging's National Award for Improving Consumer Choice in Aged Care and the Women in Tech Global Award for Generation Inclusion. Rebecca and April, how are you? Very well, thank you. Good. Thanks so much for joining. Great to have two people in the virtual studio to talk around all of those points that I mentioned in the intro. I think that it'd be great for both of you to give us a bit of an intro about yourselves as well. Beck, did you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. We've started off Exitu from coming from an aged care background, and we really wanted to start with how we can solve the problem of people who lose their vulnerability, lose their identity when they become vulnerable and they need care, they lose their voice. So how can we at a point in a person's life when they're really vulnerable, make it easier for them to communicate what's really important and what they value, not just in terms of end of life and advanced care directives, but also in terms of care plan and the care they receive for a long period before then. And so what are your backgrounds? Why is this important to you? You go first, April. As you mentioned, I've been a registered nurse. It's actually getting near 30 years now. And I've worked mainly predominantly around aging people and people at the end of their lives. One of my biggest concerns was that I had people coming in that were too frail to be able to often speak for themselves confidently or accurately. And families that were very distressed and arguing about what mum or dad or the person they loved really wanted. And on top of that, I had the issue of compliance. So I had the aged care accreditation standards expecting me as a provider to tailor my care around what that person wanted and it was a miserable situation for everybody. More often end-of-life conversations aren't just those pointy end conversations around resuscitation and dialysis and interventions. It can be even things around whether you're allowed to have your red wine at night because you might fall over in the garden or more so can I have my aspirin medication if I'm at risk of a bleed. 
but I really want that particular type of medication. These were the sticky things we needed to address. Got it. And so, Exitu, what actually is it that you've created? How does it speak to those problems? It's a web-based app. So it uses card sorting because a big thing is people might digitize the process of care planning and things like that and creating forms and documents. But we wanted to create a really supportive human experience to recognize when people are vulnerable and need that support. So it uses card sorting to help people reflect on what's really important to them gets them thinking, but also gets them speaking about and collects the insights in a person's own words about what's important. And then it translates that information into clinically and legally recognized documents. And when you say card sorting, explain that a bit more. So there's a series of cards that will help people think about some of the things that they might need to think about when they're entering into a healthcare or a care situation or when they're about to undertake advanced care planning. It ranges from things like the sounds around me to things I wish to continue just about risk. There's a whole range of things that we get people to think about. And we also try and be really the whole way through the process, very culturally agnostic. We've used the process with different cultures and different communities to know what the sounds, for example, around you, what that means to you might be very different to what that means to me, where I might prefer silence, you might prefer music and all kinds of things. We're big believers in putting people at the front of their own care. So instead of person-centred care, I'm more of a fan of person-led care. And any time we try to get information about a person and we ask short-form questions, we're really limiting ourselves to short-form answers and, and not the spectrum of diversity that an individual usually is. So where Beck talks about the cards being important, broad topics are really essential. For example, the sounds around me, if that was a card that my brother was using, he would be writing down that he is a bass guitarist and loves his vinyl and his music and performs and needs us around him at all times where if I was filling it out I'd say well actually I'm quite an introvert and I don't like your name chatter so don't come and massage hand cream into me and ask me how my weekend was because I'd rather talk about something a little bit more sticky so that's how you get that diversity of person into a document and you just don't get that with standard techniques. Yeah I was going to say the standard techniques how is all this done now? Currently, advanced care planning and also care planning tries to collect information in short forms questions. So what foods do you like? What do you like to do in your free time? Me prescriptively asking you a question and, and a lot of them are still paper-based. Even when they have been converted into some kind of digitized process, they're generally very medicalized. Due to time efficiencies, they reduce the questions to really essential stuff and you only get a snapshot of a person rather than a global view. So that's why digitizing the process and using some really sophisticated backend algorithms enabled us to get a really colorful picture of someone that can then translate to care plans, but also any kind of document or decision-making tool their family may need to use or the care providers may need to use in the future. Yeah, and I think one of the things about the way that it's done at the moment is there is often inconsistencies about the approach that different people take. So somebody who might be fairly new to working in a role they're working in versus someone like April who's been working in a role and quite good at her job and knows how to make people feel comfortable and to support them to get the best insights about who you are. We wanted to make that process so easy that anybody could do it really well. So we, our goal wasn't that something that we've done last year is to make it so that loved ones can even sit down and undertake this process with their family and you don't have to be someone like April that's got that experience and been doing it forever and understand everything. The information is there just in time when you need it. It's not overwhelming and we can still get all the insights consistently and efficiently. 
Traditional advanced care directives, for example, the state-by-state directives that are currently in place, they really, really are very medicalized and not holistic. So the reason why people don't complete them at the moment is they're scary and they're a bit confronting and sometimes feel contradictory in nature. So that's why as a country, we have such low statistics of people with advanced care planning documents. We needed to build a really organic, warm and supportive, easy and transparent way of creating a document to ensure completion. And that's what we've proven does work and gets those documents out. And we've jumped over the obstacle of fear by creating a warmer user experience. That was going to be one of the points I want to talk about in more detail too. You're in an area and a topic that people don't speak comfortably about generally, and it's something that's inevitable that everybody needs to undertake at some point, but rarely will because it's not something you want to think about. So how have you gone about building some of that? You mentioned already making it a bit more inclusive and a bit more warm, but how do you go about that on a day-to-day trying to, I guess, normalize or make this something that people are more proactively completing? I think The process that we use to undertake it is relevant there because we had some guesses based on our prior knowledge and our prior experience about where people are more uncomfortable and where they're more comfortable. But we went through a design thinking approach and we really made sure that we were looking at people filling out all kinds of different forms, identifying where they were struggling the most and seeing how we could support them to be more comfortable with the conversation and then building that into the platform. The traditional forms and documents for advanced care planning tend to be very confronting and over-medicalised and people, if they do know about them, don't tend to fill them out and subsequently we created a better solution which is Exitu. Also, we were talking about people not wanting to have the conversations or being a scary conversation and not wanting to talk about end of life and not filling out the forms. I would challenge that assumption. Most people are very eager to talk to me about end of life and what happens and what's involved. It's just that we don't provide appropriate channels to facilitate that conversation. And that's what Exitu does really well. And so who do you deal with To get this in front of people, I doubt you would go direct to patients. Are you going through hospitals and aged care facilities? We do go direct to people as well. So it is available on our website. But we started off primarily in the aged care sector. But we also work with lawyers, particularly estate planning practitioners, GPs and and with public health, there's a model there for it as well. We're more established in the aged care sector, but there's applications in lots of different places for it. Because people expect the conversation to be had. Lawyers are the prime example of that. It's not something we first thought of. But people were telling us again and again they made their will and their power of attorney and they thought they should have had something like this suggested to them. And so you mentioned aged care and you're quite well established there. It's a primary market. Obviously, with the Royal Commission, then that's something you would, I would imagine, have your eyes on. How does the aged care Royal Commission impact you and what you guys do? So the Royal Commission has really highlighted an urgent need for the aged care environment to radically change what it does around caring for people and how they get there will be an interesting story. But the key points that we find really we align with in the Royal Commission report is the need to base care around a person's values, the need to provide adequately trained staff, particularly with dementia and end of life, and the need to put people at the centre of all of the things aged care providers do in a transparent way. So funnily enough, we'd been working on Exitu a long time before these reports were being generated because we knew that this was exactly what the aged care environment needed, a way to get granular 
insights about a human being that you can then build care plans around and then really fit in with what that person would really want right from when they enter care even before they enter care is their onboarding and right to the end when they have a good and respectful death in an aged care supported way. We were just really encouraged by the Royal Commission in a lot of ways in terms of what it said. It's nothing I don't think very surprising that we're saying we need to move towards a person-led model. But a lot of what we hear is about the how people do it. So people who work in aged care have a pretty strong understanding of what the problems are and where we need to get to. But it's the how that I think people are quite challenged by. So that's why we feel like it's really quite good timing because, as April said, we have been already working on this for a few years now. And so to have a process that gives a consistent approach to care planning in a values-based way is something that we think the industry really needs right now. Often with these problems that are there to be solved, something that is technically capable and seems to theoretically make a lot of sense. In the practical application of things, in getting it implemented, there's often things that get in the way, whether that's existing processes or inertia or change resistance or existing something. Is there something that exists within the the current system or the way things are done right now which are slowing down this progression towards solutions like yours that could solve a lot of problems? All the things that you mentioned about fear inertia and already using existing systems, they're all very, very relevant. I think, though, we're now at a point where the fear of taking on something new is actually overwhelmed by the fear of doing nothing. So the aged care providers know they need to actually do something to operationalise person-centred care. And the beauty of things like us, Xitu and some other organisations out there working is that we have the solutions and it's just a matter of getting past them furiously drowning in the ocean and handing them the oar to see it. And I think we're, I think we're getting closer because we're getting... We're, we're getting quite overwhelmed with interest from aged care providers at the moment in how to integrate what we do with what they do because time is of the essence. Yeah, I think some of the barriers that are there that you mentioned, I like agree with what you and April both said, are around to the, the way that the aged care system talks to the public health system and the way that that's integrated as well as the use of technology in sectors and how that varies. But I do think that they can all be overcome and they've certainly been highlighted in the Royal Commission. So it's just often about finding people who in the early stages of innovation were open to giving it a go because when we very first started out, we were able to try this. We were able to find those people and try things in market and make progress, learn from how we did things to approach it better so that we could scale it up. And I think that like it's finding those people that can sometimes be the challenge for people. But yeah. Particularly, sorry, when to people, the aged care providers on the whole, particularly the not-for-profits, are really, really struggling to make a go of their existing models, even to stay afloat. I mean, they're losing so much money because it's just not a sustainable model of care. And there is a current call out to government to help and change the way that that moves forward. And if you can imagine that you're already trying to figure out how you're going to pay your staff, how you're going to care for your residents and feed them and give them appropriately skilled and qualified services with a limited budget it makes it really hard to have an appetite to try something new because you're literally just keeping afloat but the time is now to actually introduce and try new things and have that supported whether the government supports more innovation and technology for the benefit of aging Australians and the people that care for them 
that will get that through and, and be that exact difference of how they translate into better care solutions and perhaps funding models in the future. No, it's a great point too, and it's probably partly due to the Royal Commission and putting a light on it, but I think it's long overdue about this discussion around the connection between aged care and healthcare. Have you got any advice for any of the community members or other vendors kind of operating in that space that are trying to shimmy across both aged and health in operating in the two sectors? Often, if they're coming from healthcare, they probably know the healthcare sector a bit more and trying to then apply that in aged care. Are there differences? or ways to combine the two and do things more effectively? My advice is actually, again, it it comes back to the people that you're working with, particularly when you're first starting out something new. And that's why I particularly like the community that you've built as well, Pete, because that's really crucial to success. Everything, particularly in technology, where the technology is so far ahead in terms of what we're capable of doing, our app for example, it's not crazy. It's not that you see it and you go, whoa, that's mind-blowing AI or something like that. Sure, there is sophistication behind it, but there's so much we're capable of doing. It's just about implementing it. So I really think that the people who are willing to collaborate and work together and help get change off the ground is the key to success, not so much the systems and how they talk to each other. You'll work that out by working with the people that are willing to talk to you. And I think that really building and nurturing that community around you as you're trying to achieve change is really important. Such a good point. And so just thinking about for you guys in getting the word out and spreading out across the healthcare and age system across Australia, who's buying it and who's the customer in this situation? And we talked a lot about the stakeholders previously and that patients can find you directly through the website, but also relationships with everything from lawyers and GPs and everything in between is really important. Who is it important that you get in front of often to be able to get some traction across the country? With aged care, often a lot of aged care providers will have residential aged care and home care, maybe CHSP services and retirement living. And so anybody that's in any of those, does any of those sections of their business like we talk to, but there's definitely been a stronger interest from home care. They seem to be more ready to change. And then in public health, really trying to, get in front of many people from local health districts and PHNs and things to strengthen that the evidence that we've gathered about what we've learned that works and show that we've got a process really that can do things more efficiently and give people more control over their health care. What are you guys working on in the future? What can we look forward to coming from Exitu in 2021 and beyond? Well, I hope that 2021 as a standalone that people become accustomed to expecting to have value-based advanced care planning and not surprised that, oh, wow, you actually care about what I value. I hope the whole atmosphere around care changes and that we lead that. As time goes on, obviously, I'd like to see us move across Australia and and internationally because although we're on an island, we're not an island. This problem is international. So I'd like to see that change so that people across the world know that ageing is something that we should prepare for and as logically as we do any other certain life event. Yeah, and I'd also like to see as much as it should be commonplace that people understand what an advanced care plan is and they know it's important to have conversations early and they're comfortable with it, 
even just some of the more general habits of day-to-day that you can go to your telehealth GP appointment that's conducted remotely and create your advanced care planning documents, that sort of thing is things that we're working on now. And so we're really keen to just make sure that this is as normal a part of a person's everyday life and that they have certain triggers in their life to think about these things and actually take action and have documents in place that are values-based so that those that need to understand the foundation of a person's decisions. Perfect. Well, look, thank you. I'm going to put some details of Exitu and your website and uh, contact details so people can get in touch or at least learn more about what you do in the show notes of this episode and on our website. So check it out. April and Rebecca, thanks so much for joining and all the best for this year and beyond. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out talkinghealthtech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.